You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. I want to speak a little bit about my dad. Uh, My dad is a champion in my life, and we're talking about champions today, and we're going to maybe look at what makes a champion. Because I believe I'm looking at a room full of champions today. And that's by God's definition, by God's standard, and by what he's authored and ordained to accomplish in our lives. And so no matter what you've gone through, whatever has broken you down, you can rise above it. And you can begin to walk in the life of victory that Jesus has prepared for you. But my dad, as I said, is a champion in my life. He raised five sons and two daughters on a farm income of $5,000 a year. And, And we were kind of the people that we were poor, but we didn't know it. Because all of our needs were met on the farm, you know, if you need to eat, you just, you know, the food's abundant. And, and so, you know, we, we didn't have all the latest gadgets and things. They didn't have that many gadgets to begin with anyway back when I was growing up. But, um, you know, uh, to, to raise champions, you need to be one. And, and my dad is certainly a champion. He, he couldn't be here this morning. He's, he's now an assisted living home. He turned 90 years of age this past December, but mom's here. And so if I get anything wrong, you just correct me. You have the right to do that this morning. Okay, mom? But just to share a little bit of things about my dad. He was a farmer. He served in the military and was the town assessor of the town of Eau Plaine and the town of Hall. Uh, he served, he loved politics, so he became the town chairman and served in that role for years over the town of Eau Plaine. He delivered propane gas. He had these odd jobs and side jobs. He repaired furnaces. And I don't think he went to school. But my dad, you know, he was so smart. He still is. He's, he's a bright man. Uh, I can remember uh, teaching him how to play chess. And so after every evening meal, we would play a game of chess. And, and at first I would beat him. But then it got to the point where he would beat me every time. And, and, you know, and I'm pretty good at chess. We had a bunch of Chinese people over, and, and they're really good at chess. And I beat this one Chinese student, and he just went ballistic. He could not believe that an American would beat him. And so, uh, but my dad, you know, you could give him numbers. You could throw out, I don't know if we, we I haven't tested him lately with this, but you could give like 6,248 plus 1,642. And give him 10 seconds, he'd give you the answer without a pencil or paper. He could figure it out in his mind. As far as I'm concerned, he's brilliant. And uh, he retired, moved to Plover, and um, there he did some odd jobs. He worked for grading potatoes at Oida. He worked at the Clark Station, uh, serving customers. He, he loved people. He still loves people. And every time you get around him, there's just something about him that's a, uh, you're drawn. He's always got a smile. He always got, has a joke. Always has something to share, to encourage, and to build up. Now, um, he also, for years and years, and half the people in the church would fill out the income taxes. You know, he did, did ours for a long time, and uh, but now he's, he's really retired at the age of 90, and um, he, he loves just being with mom. He's so in love with mom. You know, he gets teary-eyed. You just start talking about mom, and he's always concerned that she's okay. The other day, she had a little mishap, and dad was just all over that. Are you okay? Because he, he's, he's so in love with his bride. And 
My dad, growing up, to me, he was the smartest man. He was the strongest man. And I can remember, I would ask him questions. I was the one always asking questions. Dad, why do we do this? Why do we spread manure, you know, on the farm? And, you know, and my dad finally got tired of me asking all these questions. So he started just to give me this answer. Because mama says. And so then I found out who really was the boss of our home. <laughs> but um, dad, I know you're not here today. and You'll get this message. But uh, I love you and appreciate you. And I encourage you to affirm your dad. You know, maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your dad. Maybe he wasn't there for you. Maybe you have unforgiveness and bitterness towards him. But really honor him for who he is in, in, in the fact that he gave you birth, he gave you life. And, and uh, find a place in your heart in Christ to be able to release forgiveness towards him. But if he's alive, contact him, communicate with him, and express your love and appreciation towards him. All right? Yeah. Uh, another thing I, I, I think about dad growing up, there was nothing that he couldn't fix. He just, you know, he wouldn't buy a new one. He just fixed the old one, you know. And, and I think th- there's a value in that it, that we've lost in today's society. But when something breaks now, we just throw it out and get something new. But um, now I, I got a couple things for you. I have some dad jokes, but these are bad dad jokes. Not bad in the sense that they're, you know, gross and negative and, and profane, but bad this, that, oh, gosh, one of these jokes, okay? Um, so these are dad jokes, and these were compiled by people that just submitted them online. Dad says, did you hear about the guy who invented lifesavers? He pauses for a moment, and then he says, they say he made a mint. Okay. How about this one? Whenever the cashier is at the grocery store, and uh, she asks, or he asks, uh, your dad, uh, would you like that milk in the bag? And he responds by saying, no, you can just leave it in the carton. Okay, yeah, that's, that's kind of a bad dad joke, right? Uh, whenever we drive past a graveyard, dad says, do you know why I won't be buried there? Because I'm not dead yet. Okay, <laughs> so... Yeah, and um, a couple more, or or am I boring you? Uh, Dad says the difference between a poorly dressed man on the tricycle and a well-dressed man on the bicycle. What's the difference between the two? A tire. Uh, Then finally, the son asks his father, hey, Dad, What's this movie about? And he said, it's about two hours. Okay, all right. Yeah, now, now dad is one of those words that it, it, it's, it's reads and sounds the same forwards and backwards, just like mom. And did you know what they call that? They call that a, I have it here somewhere, I have the definition for what that is. It's a palindrome. Have you ever heard about palindrome? It's words that are the same whether you spell it forwards or backwards. And now we have some palindromes in our congregation. Bob, right? Anna. We don't have any autos unless you're here visiting this morning. But uh, those are names and, and that are the same forwards and backwards. How about 
some other words of objects, race car, kayak, rotator, eye, you know. So I don't know why I shared that. But um, dad, if forwards and backwards is the same. So now I remember a man by the name of Paul Harvey. Have you ever heard one of his broadcasts on the radio? He was actually a very godly man. And here's a quote by him concerning fathers. A father never feels entirely worthy of the worship in a child's eyes. He's never quite the hero his daughter thinks, never quite the man his son believes him to be. And this worries him sometimes. So he works too hard to try and smooth the rough places in the road for those of his own who would follow him. Paul Harvey. Now, I, I share that quote because of that last part, follow him. Dads, who is following you? And what example are you leaving for them? And are you giving them a reason to follow? Are you giving them an incentive to want to follow you? And so we need to identify a father's or come to realize a father's identity. A, a, a father actually to define a father, it's derived from a Latin term called pater. P-A-T-E-R, pater. Pater, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. But this is a man who has rendered or engendered a child, a male parent or a person who takes responsibility for protecting, for caring, and for rearing. And so these are roles that a father serves. And in society, I believe, identifies a father as one as we see here. But what is true fatherhood? The best example of fatherhood that we have is to take a look at our Heavenly Father. And Pastor Aaron uh, did a wonderful job talking about the prodigal son. And really the prodigal son is really a portrait of a loving father that reflects the love of God, the Father God. and gives us an example of who the Father God is. And so uh, we realize that as a father, we have responsibilities. And, and as we look at this subject this morning of champion, we want to identify some things. And, and we're going to pray. And I want to lift up Orlando. It has suffered some horrific tragedies with uh, the death of, of the voice uh, singer, uh, Christina Grimm, who was a devout believer. Uh, by she was shot this past week by one of her fans. The 49 killed in the nightclub massacre, and there were 53 injured. And then the last thing that happened there before we left was the toddler that was snatched and killed by an alligator, uh, a young child called Lane Graves. These are tragedies. And, and so we just want to pray for the families and for the people affected. And as we pray for this service this morning and, and for dads, you join your faith with me, if you would. Heavenly Father, we do give you praise and glory and honor. And we thank you that you are a God who hears, a God who cares, and a God who involves himself with the affairs of men. And Father, we just lift up these situations. We lift up the city of Orlando. We, we just pray for every family that was affected by this tragedy, these tragedies, and, and this loss of life. And Father, we pray that revival would 
come forth in, in these places where there's hurt, where there's pain, where there's heartache. And Father, we're living in a hurting world, but yet we carry the light of Christ. Help us to be examples. Help us to reach those that are hurting, those that are desperate. Father, we pray for this young family that lost their toddler's son. We pray for comfort and strength as even this day, as difficult as it is, being Father's Day, how can they be thankful and how can they even be at peace without you? We ask that you minister to them. And we pray, Father, for every father here and, Father, for the fathers represented by this congregation, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them courage to face whatever challenges before them. In Jesus' name. And now I ask that you help me to minister your word this morning in a way that can be effective. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, the making of a champion. The key scripture I want you to turn to is we see in Proverbs 23, 24, which reads, the father of the godly children The father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. Proverbs 23, 24. Now, here we see something that I believe is or should be a goal for every father. While almost any man can father a child, there's so much more. There's so much more to the importance of the role of being dad in a child's life. See, fathers, I believe, are central to the emotional well-being of their children. They are the capable caretakers and disciplinarians of their children. Now, a father's goal, I believe, is to raise godly children. At least that should be the case among Christians. One of the greatest joys in my life is to see my children serve the purpose of God for their life, to see them walking with God, to see them honoring God, to see them serving God. Now, I know that's not the case for every godly man because maybe their children have have, uh, gone off the road in the path like the prodigal son's father. Um, I mean, like the prodigal father's son. And and so regardless what situation you're facing, there's a goal that we have to see our children walk with God. And... As Christian men, that should be our goal. Can you say amen to that? But see, it generally doesn't happen by chance, but it happens by making the right choices to lead and guide your children in the way of the Lord. See, in today's society, the role of the father in fatherhood are being challenged like no other time. In light of all that's wrong, I believe that we can be greatly encouraged because God is raising up champions, men that are raising godly sons and daughters. And so this is something I believe we, we see happening. God's raising up champions, mighty men that will lead their households to victory. And so it's time for men to rise up and conquer whatever stands in the way of their children and the way of their families. See, our society today... Uh, needs godly men and godly fathers in order to succeed. And see, we want to open our hearts to receive what we need to be successful, whether we're a mom or dad or a young person. And see, and I want to share this with you because 
I have not arrived. You know, I have committed my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and my intent is to be a godly father. But I've messed up at times. I've made mistakes, and, and all you have to do is interview my children. You know, or talk to them. You'll find out where I've messed up. Sometimes when I've been too harsh, when I've been unreasonable, where I didn't really hear them out, where I've been too stubborn in my ways and, and uh, too focused on other things. And, and so all of those things I, I can take responsibility for. And um, I mean, I, I can remember, uh, you know, yelling at my kids, raising my voice. And, and you know, really... Uh, that should only happen if there's a fire, right? But sometimes things seem like a fire. <laughs> but, um, uh, and maybe some of you are guilty of that too. But, uh, and, and the worst example, I'm going to really tell on myself, we were in Los Angeles, California. We were going to uh, Knott's Berry Farms. And at that time, uh, the GPSs were not connected with the phones. They were separate and, and they were, were not as dependable. And so I'm going, and I lose directions. And, and Pastor Deb, she was smart. She decided to stay at the hotel and, and just chill out by the pool. And uh, she didn't want all the theme park challenges that, you know, and that still I, I like theme parks not as much as I used to, but I could get right there with my kids and do all the rides and all the stuff. But I can remember, you know, the kids were, I think Daniel and Nathan were, having it out and the girls were whining and complaining and and I'm trying to find my way trying to find directions and and so I literally screamed at the top of my lungs and I said shut up and I never say that word in fact we would discipline our children for using that word <laughs> and and so and I immediately I felt conviction so okay this is not the proper way to handle this and I needed to chill out. And, and I think all my kids were in shock. And for at least a short moment, it worked. And, but, yet, and, and I, but I felt so convicted. I said, no, that's, I don't want my kids to remember me like that. I don't want them to remember me in my worst moment. But I want to create memories that when they think of me, will put a smile on their face will bring joy to their heart. Now, um, today, as I said, I want to talk about the making of a champion. And, and there's, there's a few things that I want to share with you in the time that we have. Uh, there's a scripture in Proverbs 15, 20, and I think Nathan can probably quote that. I know Daniel can. 15, 20, in Proverbs says, A wise son makes his father glad. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. And, and so I would tell my children, you want to make dad glad, don't you? You want, to, you want to make mom happy, don't you? Then you need to be a wise son. And I can remember uh, it was actually at Daniel's graduation, and he graduated from Stevens Point Christian Academy. And so he was on this platform and the, with the other graduates at that time. And as we were praying over the graduates and I came to my son, I quoted that scripture to him, looking eyeball to eyeball with him. And I said, Daniel, you know I've shared this scripture with you before that a wise son makes his father glad 
and you have made me glad. Now, I don't know, and we've talked about this after this, Daniel said, I don't know what came over me, but I could not hold back the tears. Now, literally, tears shot out of his eyes. <laughs> and he just broke down in that moment. And I realized that, God, this is what it's all about. I want to raise up wise sons and daughters. And, and, and that's a goal and a challenge for you. And, and maybe as a dad, you have failed in this regard. Maybe you weren't walking with God. But you know, there's still hope because you can still have a voice even if your children are grown and have established families on their own. You can still serve that role as a godly champion father in their life. And so, whether you believe it or not, there are things you can do that will instill wisdom in your children. There are things that you can do to train your children in the way that they should go. And they'll gain wisdom from what you teach them so that they won't depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. Now, when we consider King David, I mean, when you think about champions in the Bible, how many of you think of King David? Okay? I, and, and my brother raised his hand because uh, King David is dear to his heart because uh, he's named after this king. But King David faced another champion, and this champion's name was Goliath. We see that in 1 Samuel 17, and you don't have to turn there, but uh, I just want to make reference to that story. We see things about David's life that made him a champion. And I want to share three points about his life that I believe are relevant to us today. And if you're taking notes, you can write these down right away. Uh, for David to defeat Goliath, he had to know three things. He had to know three things. Number one, he knew his God. David knew his God. He had a relationship with him. Number two, he knew his enemy. And number three, he knew his position and his authority in God. He understood the covenant that he was in and the authority and the position that that meant. So let's look at the first one. David knew his God. See, he had an experiential relationship with the Lord. He witnessed the power of God in his own life. He had a relationship with the Lord. See, now we know there's no perfect father except for the heavenly father, okay? We've all missed it as fathers and we've fallen short, so we need God's help in this thing called parenting. We really do. See, even King David failed when it came to parenting. We look at his son Absalom. That's a, a total failure. He, if he would have did different things different regarding Absalom, there would have probably been a different outcome. But then, obviously, he learned his lesson because he did things different with his son Solomon. And Solomon went on to be a great king. Um, he might have messed up there in the end, but he did some amazing things. And, and David, I'm sure, was very proud of, of, of what he accomplished. Now, um, but I believe if we've made mistakes, 
we can learn from them. You can learn from the mistakes you've made. Because if you don't learn from them, you may end up repeating them. And so that's so important, I believe. See, you can be a champion for God. Champions see beyond the dangers. They see beyond the risks, the obstacles, and the hardships. They know that the battle is the Lord's. And they know that they are more than conquerors through Christ. See, David knew his God. He was confident in the God that he knew. When facing Goliath, you know, the whole army of Israel was terrorized by this champion who was taunting the armies of Israel, who was cursing the God of Israel. And when David came on the scene, he observed this, and he thought, who does this jerk think he is to get up there and profane God and defy the armies of God? And because David had a relationship with God, he took personal offense to what Goliath was doing. See, when you're close to somebody and somebody's messing with them, somebody's talking about them, somebody's cursing them, guess what? You're going to take issue with that. Why? Because you're in relationship with them. You're going to take offense to the one that you're in relationship with when somebody's coming against them and attacking them. So this was the case here. Also, the second point we see is David knew his enemy. See, David had fought the Philistines before, but Goliath was their champion. And so it takes a champion to defeat a champion, right? He defeated the lion and the bear when he was caring for his father's sheep. This prepared him to face Goliath. See, David was aware of the enemies in his life. And see, as, as dads, we need to be aware of the enemies in our life, the enemies that are coming against their children, our household. See, he was aware, David was aware of the opposition that he was up against. See, nurturing, I believe, a relationship with your children is the best defense against the enemy. And one of these enemies that we face in society is the enemy of influence, wrong influence. Because the devil is committed to get the wrong influence to corrupt your son or your daughter. So they end up despising what you taught them and how you raised them. So they'll go the way of the world rather than the way of the word. And, and so we, we understand that influence is a big one. And, and I don't have time to go into that, but there's so much that could be said just about wrong influences that we allow in children's lives. And, and you have... You have the ability and the responsibility to protect your children from wrong influences. Now, there's, there's a, a couple of facts I want to share. We, we, I call these fatherhood facts. And an um, uh, exclusive today survey of about 2,000 moms and dads shows that fathers are more involved than ever before in their children, both emotionally and practically. Now, that's a good thing. While moms increasingly share the responsibility for the family's income, dads are assisting them with more of the child care and household chores. So now we see more of a, a mutual role in, in taking care of the children where before it was just moms and dad would show up at dinner time. He'd work all day and, you know, he would discipline. So you wait till your father gets home. And so a lot of times discipline was not out of relationship. It was 
to just correct the child for their misbehavior. And so there wasn't always relationship. And, and, and that's why uh, to build relationship and a right relationship with your children, then discipline out of that won't breed rebellion. It will only bring respect and correction in your children so they begin to do things what, how they're supposed to do things right. And, and then now about 75% of the fathers in this survey said that a dad is the most important, that being a dad is the most important job. According to the survey, 61% of dads say that they are more involved with their children than their father was with them. So that's a good shift in our society. And I believe that's a fulfillment of what we see in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land and decree of utter destruction. So we see, I believe, the move of God's spirit is to restore the hearts of fathers to their sons and the hearts of sons to the fathers. And so I, I believe we're in that time period. Finally, the third thing David knew, he knew his position, he knew his authority. He understood the covenant. He understood his position with God. See, David was floored thinking, who does this Goliath think he is? to curse and intimidate God's people. He knew God was on his side and he knew he had authority to act in his behalf. He knew that he could defeat this giant because God will always work through a person to accomplish what he wants to do on the earth. Now, when I think of a father, and and we could go in other directions with this, but I want to bring this to a close. When I think of a father... I can't think of a better illustration than what we see in Deuteronomy 131. Deuteronomy 131 says, In the wilderness, where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. I can remember moments of carrying my children, and I can remember being in Guatemala. And we had Daniel down there. How old was he? Probably about 16, 17 months old. And all the, all the Guatemalans wanted to touch his red hair. They thought that was really cool. I mean, he was just this magnet. And, and so uh, some of them would want to hold him, but no, I, I wouldn't. You know, I'm going to protect my son. But we had this baby backpack. Have you ever seen one of those? And so we strapped... Daniel in that baby backpack and carried him around while we were in Guatemala, going through the airport, going through the city streets and going different places. But I can remember, it seems that the weight of carrying my son never wore me out. It was like there was a strength that I had that was able to help me to accomplish that task. And so I believe there's a spiritual connection here because, see, God gives you the ability to carry your children, to carry them in prayer, to carry them with your faith. And uh, physically, we did that when they were small. Now, uh, I'm not going to pick up Nathan and carry him right now. (laughs) I mean, I could. He's a skinny guy, you know, like I used to be. 
but you know, I'm not gonna do it, but, but yet carrying a child, there's just something, I mean, holding my granddaughter and carrying that child, knowing that she's totally dependent upon others for her well-being, for her safety, for her food. She depends on mom for that. Uh, but you know, there's just something about that. But that's a picture of the, the Father God with us, carrying us. And so, yeah. And, and I wanted to say this because in the last few moments of this message, I want to really encourage men because you may be a dad, but you may think that you're a dud. Now, I didn't say a dude. Because I don't want to beat up on dads today. I want to challenge and encourage you. A number of years ago, there's this man that came to me and he said, Pastor Matt, I just have a question for you. And, and I'm, I'm not pointing blame at you, but I've been to a lot of churches and, and uh, this is my church now. But it seems like Mother's Day, everything is so sweet and nice and mothers are being built up and encouraged and edified. But Father's Day, the men get beat up. And they, they, they're, because they're absentee fathers, they're, they're not doing this right, they're not doing that right. And, and, and men come to church and they say, oh, I'm a failure. Now men, fathers, I don't want you to leave this place thinking that you're a failure. You may fail, but that doesn't make you a failure because you can get up and you can win this race. You can be the champion for your son and your daughter. You can rise up and face this opposition we see, again, these three points to recap. For David to defeat Goliath, he had to know these three, three things. He knew his God. So do you really know him, man? He knew his enemy. He knew what he was up against. And number three, he knew his position and his authority. Men, what Goliath are you facing today in your life that you need to defeat? I believe that God's going to help you defeat that giant. I want to tell you this little story about a Spanish boy. Uh, well, it's actually a story about a father and his son who had become estranged. His son ran away. And the father set off to find him. He searched for months to no avail. Uh, finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read, the son's name was Pesel. He said, Dear Pesel, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I miss you. I love you. Your father. On Saturday, there were 800 pesos that showed up in front of that newspaper office, all looking to be reconciled to their father. And I, that's a true story. You know, you think about just the desire for reconciliation when there's been estrangement, when relationship or fellowship has been broken, and God knows how to heal, He knows how to forgive, He knows how to restore. And so no matter what Goliath you're facing today, you can defeat it with God's help. I love the passage we see in Ephesians 3.20. Just now look to him who is able 
look to him, to God who is able to do far more exceedingly, abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. God's able to do beyond what you can do to assist you to be the champion that he's ordained for you to be. The scripture tells us that he's made us more than conquerors, world overcomers in this life. You're more than a conqueror by God's own definition because he went to fight for you. He fought the battle and he gives you the victory. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. I believe that's a word of encouragement. This morning, I want you just to take a moment and bow your heads in this place. dad here this morning ask the Lord to help you to be that champion in your children's life David was a champion but he still failed in different areas but yet he was still a champion and you can be a champion too and the, the first step towards being that champion is to know your God have a relationship with him having a relationship with Jesus and this is an invitation I'm extending to everyone whether you're a dad or not maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior well I'd ask that you'd open your heart to receive him do you know that your life is right with Jesus Christ today if you were to die do you know that you'd go to heaven or, or is there uncertainty is there confusion? Is there a question? Well, I'd ask you today to just lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? My life is not right with God, but I want it to be. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know Him. I want to receive Him. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up. Can I see that hand? If there's others, just join. Can I see that hand? Okay, we're going to pray with you. For those that lifted your hand, and this prayer is simply, we, we call it the sinner's prayer, but I'm going to ask that everyone pray this prayer together because maybe you didn't lift your hand and you need to get things right with God in your life. So I want you to pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Today I open my heart to you. Jesus, come into my life. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead to give me new life. Jesus, I receive you now. Make my life what you want it to be. Help me to be that champion. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have our prayer team come up here right now. And um, in a moment, we're going to close the service. And the prayer team is going to be up here to pray with you. If you lifted your hand, we invite you to come forward. 
and, and to receive prayer. And we have other uh, gifts and things we'd like to give to you for those of you that lift your hands. But if you have any other need, and maybe today you are estranged with your earthly father. And you might say, but he's dead now. He's gone. There's nothing I can do about it. But yet in your heart, you can still forgive. You can still let go of the hurt, the pain, the anguish. God is restoring things in our lives. And so much is restored when we forgive, when we let go, when we open our heart to Him and embrace His love. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.